You're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode number 24, airing on February 13th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can help others achieve their maximum potential. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're leading people for the first time, Improving your coaching skills will drive your success, and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is three ways to engage others. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from our studio here in Orange County, California. And if you're tuning into this show for the first time, welcome. So glad to have you. And if you care about leading others and helping people reach their maximum potential, then you are in the right place. This is definitely the show for you. Or maybe you've been listening all along, and perhaps even you're listening right now from Japan, where it's probably February 14th already, and you're wondering why wasn't there a show last week, as uh, Yuria did, who's one of our listeners in Japan, had emailed me at the middle of last week and said, hey, I'm worried about you and your family and the Innovate Learning staff, and uh, what happened? There's no show. And as you all know, I try to be very, very consistent in making sure this show airs every Monday morning. And indeed, there wasn't a show last week, and there was a great reason for there not being a show last week. Our little boy arrived last week, actually uh, a week and a half ago, on February 2nd at 11.56 p.m., our son, Luke David Stahoviak, showed up into the world. It was uh, just barely February 2nd, which is uh, Groundhog Day here in the United States. For those of you who uh, aren't familiar with that date, it's kind of one of those funny holidays we have. Uh, what a tremendous blessing he has been in our lives. And I can't even begin to tell you how excited my wife and I are both to have Luke in our lives now. And um, I don't think I've shared here on the show, but uh, we've been through a long journey of uh, over five years of infertility treatments and uh, in vitro fertilization and all kinds of things and many disappointments along the way. And so uh, the fact that we have a, a little one here at home now and um, and in our lives is just a tremendous blessing to us in so many ways. And so that's the reason there was no show last week because uh, we were, you know, I was always planning to keep the show schedule going, uh, even though he was going to be arriving here. Um, however, what happened is uh, my wife ended up going into for a regular uh, appointment and they found that her amniotic fluid levels were dangerously low. And so we ended up going to the hospital pretty quickly. And instead of it being just a day or two, we were actually there for almost a week and uh, she had a C-section. So it was a more, uh, it was obviously that became much more important than, than getting the show out last week. So so I apologize for missing, but uh, it was for a great reason. And I am putting a little photo of Luke on the website here. So if you are interested in seeing a little photo of him from uh, this weekend, feel free to hop on to the show notes. And this is going to be episode number 24, so you can find it there. And so uh, enough about last week. Let's move forward this week on the show topic, which is engagement. And I mentioned on the last show in January that we were going to be moving into this month of February 
on a series on engagement. Now, this series is going to be a little bit uh, more abbreviated than I had originally anticipated here, but today starts that series on engagement and how to keep people connected and motivated with their work. And, you know, I was thinking about, it's interesting actually that Yuria uh, in Japan had emailed me this past week because uh, one of the things she had mentioned on feedback a couple episodes ago was coaching and using coaching with her kids. And I was thinking about that this, uh, especially this week, because, you know, as Luke arrived in our lives and getting him comfortable with things like breastfeeding and changing diapers and all those types of things, I I was really interested in just part of the ways that I responded and, you know, in a leadership role with him as his parent now in, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, you're for those of you who are parents know the first couple of weeks of parenthood are are tough. Uh, not that the rest of parenthood is easy. I'm sure it's not, but uh, you know, you're up, you know, every two or three hours feeding, changing diapers, uh, you know, really trying to care for this tiny, tiny, precious life that is completely and totally dependent on you. And I was, it was interesting to me that although there were many, there have been many times in the last couple of weeks where I found myself you know, in situations where I've been, you know, frustrated and had lack of sleep, I've never found myself frustrated with him personally. And the reason for that, I think, is because I know I'm, you know, I'm a logical, <laughs> I think, a fairly logical adult, a fairly mature adult. And I know that he, that he just doesn't know anything yet about all these things in life. He doesn't know any better and so it would be completely illogical and irrational for me to become frustrated with him personally, uh, you know, and all the things that are happening as far as needing to be up and changing diapers and all that kind of thing. Now, there's certainly been, you know, frustrating situations and, you know, getting pooped on and all those types of things that happen to new parents. But, but, I, but I've not found myself getting frustrated with him at all um, because I know that he depends on my wife and I for leadership in his life right now and providing everything for him that he needs in order to survive and eventually to grow into a, an amazing young man and someone who will influence the world in great ways. And I think about that because I think a lot of parents really do that well. At least many of the parents that I know are people who really are very selfless and give and uh, you know certainly face frustrating situations often with children. But but love them and care for them and treat them in, in such ways where they are looking at things from the long-term perspective. And I think it's interesting how many of us do that very, very well as parents, but when it comes to the workplace or the organization or the volunteer work or the sports team, that some of that patience and that long-term perspective sometimes disappears. Or gets muted in the environment of now, you know, faster, better, cheaper, make this quarters, this month's numbers. And sometimes we lose that long-term perspective. And that's one of the things that can really contribute to not engaging people well. And so that's one of the reasons that I wanted to make sure that we focus on this topic of engagement this year and how to keep people connected and motivated with their work or their volunteer work or whatever they're doing in the capacity that you're leading them. And so as you're listening today, you may have some comments or questions or feedback about what I mentioned on today's show. And in addition, you probably will have some comments or questions about engagement in general. And I definitely want to be able to 
uh, make those a part of the upcoming episodes here to uh, talk about the things that are most important to you and to be able to focus those shows on things that are going to be most valuable to you in your role as a leader. So be sure to reach out to me if you do have comments or questions. You can reach me directly at uh, on our community uh, feedback line. And here in the States, that is 949-38-LEARN. And globally, that would be 1-949-385-3276. You can leave a message for me there. I will get it and I will respond to it. And you can, of course, always email me directly. And that is at feedback at innovatelearning.com. So again, that's feedback at innovatelearning.com. You know, one of the shows that I listen to uh, on almost a daily basis, I don't always get to everyone, but almost daily is a show that airs on National Public Radio and is produced by American Public Media called Marketplace. It is a half hour review of what's happened in the business world and the markets and the economy, uh, you know, that day, essentially. And it's it's a fantastic show. It's one of the shows I, you know, regularly get to. And uh and I was listening just this past week, and they had a interview on with, or a commentary rather, from Teresa Amable, who is a Harvard Business School professor, and she's well known for her work in creativity and organizations in the workplace, and also she's now doing some work on engagement. And she has a book out called The Progress Principle, which I am reading right now, actually, so it caught my attention when I heard her on the radio. And I love this quote from her. Um, She has been doing research now on what is it that keeps people engaged in their work and organizations. And she says in this commentary, the single most important thing that can keep workers deeply and happily engaged on the job is moving forward on work they care about, even if the progress is an incremental small win. And her book is called The Progress Principle because she says that if you want to really keep people engaged, you need to, as a leader, help them to keep moving forward, even if it's just small steps. If you can keep people forward, particularly on work that matters, it is going to keep people engaged with what you're doing as a leader, and more importantly, what your organization is doing to try to lead people to the best possible outcome. And those of you who have listened to this show also know that I'm a huge fan of Daniel Pink. And Daniel Pink wrote a book called Drive, uh, and it's essentially a book on how to motivate others. And in his book, he says there's essentially three things that are important if we want to motivate others and really keep them engaged. And so I'm going to take a look today, um, you know, kind of going off of this quote from Teresa Mabale on, you know, keeping people moving forward, keeping that incremental progress, and then Daniel Pink's book Drive on how to motivate others, and use that as the uh, foundation for the conversation we'll have in the coming weeks here on engagement. And, And then as we look at these these perspectives from Amabile and Pink, then start to look at how can we take these tools and these resources as leaders and put them into practice with the people that we are leading on a regular basis. So in his book, Drive, uh, Daniel Pink says there are essentially three things. If you want to motivate and engage people, 
these three things are the three things that you would want to do and you would want to create. And the three are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So let's look at each of these three things today as three ways to engage others. And then as we go forward in the coming weeks, we'll talk more about how we can then apply these things practically. So first of all, let's look at autonomy, what Daniel Pink calls autonomy. And the way I see that in the work I've done and the clients I've worked with over the years is do I as an individual have the ability to have control over my life and my career? And that's something that I'm asking myself. If I'm a contributor to an organization, do I have control over what I'm doing, over my career, over my work? And as a leader, that's one of the things that we want to be asking ourselves too, is are we giving people the control over their lives and their work that they want, that they want in order to feel engaged with you and with the organization? And here's a quick test for yourself if you're wondering if you're the type of person that gives people autonomy and allows them that autonomy. Uh, From my perspective, poor leaders would say something like, this is the way this has to be done. And what they're thinking is my way is best. Now, uh, you know, we all know that we do things the best way, right? (laughs) I know I always do think that whatever the way I figured out how to do something, it must be the best way. I know logically, though, that that's not true. I know that there's someone else out there. In fact, most of the time, there's many other people out there that if they were given the task, the assignment, the project, would find a way to do it better than I've done and find a way to do it with fewer resources and less cost and even do it with better results and to be more creative with the results they were doing. And so poor leaders don't recognize that. Poor leaders say, this is the way that has to be done. And I think my way is always best. And many of you who are listening to this show know leaders that you've worked for or have worked with in the past who have that perspective. And maybe someone you work with currently. And that unfortunately is a recipe for disaster if you're trying to give people autonomy over their work. What we should be thinking as leaders is how do we um, you know, come from the perspective of my way is best for me versus my way is best. So a more effective leader would say, what's the best way? And actually, they wouldn't even say they would ask, what's the best way for you to reach this objective? So we're still trying to reach an objective. We're still trying to get to the finish line, wherever the finish line is. But we're asking and having dialogue with the person we're leading, what's the best way for you to reach this objective? Not my way is best. My way is best for me, but your way may be best for you. And as long as we get to the objective, let us let me help you figure out the best way for you to get there. Now, hopefully we get a, a similar, if not better result at the end of the day. But the difference is, is that I had control over how I got there and I have control suddenly over my work and autonomy for it. And this is critically important because if we as people who contribute to organizations and influence the world don't feel like we have control over our lives and our careers, then we are not going to get engaged with the people who are trying to lead us. It's just not going to happen. Um, And forgive me if I've used this analogy before, but I think it bears repeating because it speaks to the point that I'm making here, which is 
ownership over the things that you create and that you have control over is critical in order to really get people engaged with something. Case in point, let's say you're going to rent a car. You rent the car, uh, or you get to wherever you're going, you rent a car, you drive it around a whole bunch. Every car rental place I've ever been to, uh, you know, requires you to return the car with the same amount of gas that you had when you had picked up the vehicle. And if you don't, you can certainly turn it in with less gas, but they'll charge you like twice as much as you would if you had filled it up yourself. So you always want to fill it up before you bring it back to the car rental place. And so, uh, so the question is, what kind of gas do you put in the car? Now, here in the States, we have three different grades of gasoline. We have what they call a, you know, kind of the standard or economy grade. We usually have a middle grade at most gas stations, and then we have a premium or ultimate grade gasoline and the difference is the octane levels and so you know there's cheap gas there's kind of you know mid middle range gas and then there's the expensive stuff well let me tell you any time that i have gone to rent a car in my life and i've been on my way back to drop off the car and i stop at the gas station to fill it up i always choose the cheap gasoline <laughs> every single time uh, i certainly want to take care of the car i want to i don't want to get charged for anything but i'm not going to go above and beyond the effort to put in more expensive gasoline because, of course, it's not my car. And anytime I've asked any group of people that I've worked with and used this analogy, everyone always says the same thing. Anytime I've rented a car, I always put in the cheap gas. I never put in the expensive gas. Why would you? You'd be wasting your money. It's not your car. You're not going to put in anything more than you need to if it's not yours. Well, same thing with the ideas and the things that you are focusing on in your work with people is that if it's someone else's idea, if they're saying this is the way it has to be done, you may follow it, but you're not going to put forth the premium effort to continue the analogy. You're going to put forth the economy effort. But if it's yours, if it's your idea, if you've created the best way to reach the objective in partnership with the person who's leading you, then all of a sudden you have more ownership over it. So now, Notice I didn't say independence. So autonomy doesn't mean that you just tell someone that they can do something however they want to and, and just kind of give them free reign. That's, that wouldn't be appropriate either. And most organizations have guidelines and rules and procedures and, and things that are there to help the organization succeed. Now, I think about you know my first job when I was in high school at, at a McDonald's restaurant you do not get independence at a McDonald's restaurant, I assure you. <laughs> if you try to be independent, you are out the door pretty quickly. There is a system and a process that is followed uh, at a McDonald's restaurant. It's probably the best example of a systemized process that has been duplicated tens and thousands of times in restaurants around the world that has made that organization successful. So if someone came into that organization and said, you know, independently, I'm just going to, you know, make cheeseburgers my own way, that's not going to fly at McDonald's. You're going to be out the door pretty quickly. But that doesn't mean that you can't still have autonomy. And good leaders, even in an organization where there is a lot of structure and framework and systems, will find ways to give people autonomy. And I remember when I worked at the McDonald's restaurant when I was in high school, there was a woman who worked there, who always was working the check cash register at the front counter uh, in the mornings on the weekends. And when pe customers would come up and there would be no one at her register, she would always say, fast, friendly service right down here at the end of the line. 
and people would run down to the end of the line. Sometimes people would get in her line just to talk to her, even if there were other registers open, because she was fast. She always had a smile on her face. She made people feel great. And the managers of the restaurant uh, responded to always give her the spot she wanted. You know, she always wanted to be at the end of the counter. She wanted to, you know, kind of flag people down and have her line at the end. And they did. They allowed her that autonomy. And it worked great. You know, she was a, a great employee there for no, a number of years and clearly had been working there for a long time and enjoying it and had a great relationship with many of the leaders. And the customers loved her. And so when I say autonomy, I don't necessarily mean that you're, and I, in fact, I don't mean at all that you tell people that, that you tell people you can do things however you want, but you empower them to have control over how they do things. So let's move on to the second one, which is mastery. And mastery is, can I become better at something that's really important? You know, I've been very privileged over my career, especially the last few years, to be able to work with a number of folks in the aerospace industry. And uh, the, you know, aerospace has been a big presence here in Southern California for many, many decades. And not, unfortunately, not as much as it used to be, but uh, is still very much a hub for you know, a number of the companies, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Boeing. And so I've had a chance to work with uh, folks in the industry over the last few years. And you know, one of the things that they do is they're building airplanes and trying to figure out the best ways to you know, get the new models up and running and, uh, and, and prototypes and then actually go and test fly them. And many of the test flights that are done, uh, at least here in the States and this part of the country, are done out in the Mojave Desert, which is just a couple hour drive. But, you know, there's not much out there and there's, you know, a, a lot of space for them to do testing of airplanes. And I'm always interested whenever I've been working with uh, folks that are on some of these teams, these project teams of going out and, you know, flying these airplanes, inevitably the several months before the test flight, people's schedules just get crazy. You know, like any organization that's hitting a major deadline. And when you're in, in aerospace and working on a plane, hitting a test flight deadline is probably the biggest deadline you can hit. And, you know, it's it's critical to the success of the project. And I'm always just so amazed at how when they're working up to that that first flight, they call it, that People will start working just incredible hours, um, not because they're required to per se, but they want to. You know, there I've had seen many times where people are putting in 70, 80, 90 hour weeks, you know, leading up to their first flight of an aircraft. And it, you know, they have that first flight, and yeah, they're tired, but they're so motivated. Uh, you know, they're just so excited. And I see the posts and the, you know, Facebook messages that go out and, you know, the press releases once, you know, when there's a successful flight and you wouldn't believe how excited that they get about being able to make the product as the best they possibly can and to get better and better as they go along and to fly the plane and to have it fly successfully and to have a great outcome. You know, it's, it's worth more to them, I assure you, than their salary. It's worth more to them than even their some of their personal time that they sacrifice in the months leading up to that. It's it's important because they get to master something. They get to master flying a product that is the best out there, at least the best at that time, and to make sure that it performs flawlessly. 
And I think that that's a really important concept for us to remember and consider because mastery, you know, we need to be able to give people as leaders the ability to master something that's important. Uh, you know, one of the things that Daniel Pink talks about in his book is just the some of the uh, amazing thing that's happened with you know open source software out there. And you know, one of the pieces of software that we use in our organization is called WordPress. WordPress is an open source software that you can build a website and blog on. And our firm's website is built on that. InnovateLearning.com is a WordPress site, and WordPress is free. You can download WordPress anywhere. In fact, it and it's and it's popular. Something like I think the st- most recent statistic, for at least here in the states, something like twenty five percent of new sites, new websites, are built on a WordPress platform. And you know what the amazing thing about that is is the people who work on WordPress and building and creating the code for it and doing all the upgrades, you know, they don't get paid anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's certainly an organization that you know funds some of the work that they do. And, you know, the people who are kind of the creators, uh, there's one person in particular that's kind of launched and created WordPress, uh, you know, is someone who I'm, I'm sure does very well on other, you know, other ventures. But as far as the actual software itself, it's open source. Anybody can get it. And so why would people focus all their time and energy and continuing to update and upgrade the product and to test it and to find all the bugs and to continue to put out new software updates. And the reason is because people want to master something that's important. WordPress is an incredibly important platform for people who blog and to write write websites. And to be a part of that, and to be someone who helps create that software and finds errors and is able to make that a better platform is incredibly important to people. Now, it's not important to me, per se, because I don't have a passion for that. I don't have a passion for software coding, but it is something that if you care about that and you have a passion for that, it's incredibly important to you. And it actually is important to me, too, because our our firm's uh, software runs on it. So even though I don't care to code myself, it becomes important to me, too. So mastery is about how do you provide people with the opportunities to come become better at something that's important? And as a leader, are you giving people the opportunity, if they want it, to become better at things that are important to them and things that are important to the larger organization and how your organization makes an impact in the world? And if you're finding opportunities for people to become better at something that's important to them, that's great. <laughs> Keep doing it. Keep motivating them to do that. If you're not, you probably want to start thinking about that. What are some things that you could do to help people that you work with and that you lead become better at something that's important and specifically something that's important to them? And if you're not sure what's important to them, you can start off by asking. You can go back to some of those things we talked about in some of the earlier episodes on how to build rapport with people and find out what's important to them. Episode two in particular, that from model might be helpful to you, but you'll want to start asking that question because you want to tap into mastery. And then of course, finally, purpose. Does what I am doing matter? Uh, Bonnie and I just started going to a new church in uh, Newport Beach, California here. And I've noticed that a few times we've been there, we've been going out for about oh five or six months, uh, and uh, I noticed a few times we've been there that there is a custodian at the church who's on staff there, and 
he every time that I see him, he uh, he's always working diligently to keep the place clean. He's always picking up right away after events. And he's always, anytime I've seen him, he's always had a big smile on his face, said hello, um, how you doing this morning? And this has happened, I don't know, three or four times in the last five or six months. And I'm always just so, uh, I feel great about seeing him and I've never had any large conversation with him. It's just been, you know, you know, casual interactions here and there. Um, but I was, I'm always interested because, you know, the, the custodian role is something that many people would say is not a very prestigious job. And yet he has, uh, I, I don't know what he's done to create such an amazing attitude about his work that he enjoys what he does, has a tremendous passion for it, and somehow is able to communicate that in every single interaction with others. And I don't know anything about him, but I know that somehow, whether he did it intentionally or not, he has a purpose for what he's doing and has found how it matters in the world and connects with people. And he does a great job at it. I mean, the, the, the campus is immaculately clean and is always beautiful. And so do you as a leader talk about why what you're doing each day matters? Why do you do it? What's the reason you or your organization do what you do? If you don't, you should. Because if what you're doing doesn't matter or it's not connected to people as to why it matters, then people aren't going to stay connected and they're not going to stay engaged. And so these three concepts, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, we're going to be building on them over the next uh, couple of shows here because these three things, if we can do them well, we are going to engage people in some tremendous ways. And so again, be sure to jump in and let me know what you want to hear over the next couple of shows here about engagement. And again, uh, this is the section of the show where normally we'd have some uh, feedback from the community. You can reach me, of course, 94938LEARN, that's here in the States, or globally, 1949-385-3276. And of course, you can always email feedback at innovatelearning.com. Normally, this is the part of the show where I respond to feedback from folks who have uh, called in or emailed in a question or comment or feedback for the show. But this week, I have a question for you, the community of this show. We are actually thinking of changing the name of this show. And currently, this show is titled Coaching Skills for Leaders. We're thinking about changing the name of it. And uh, let me tell you why and then what the name is we're planning to change it to. And I'd be interested in your feedback on this. Uh, first of all, why? There's two reasons we're thinking of changing the name of this show. Uh, first of all, the website for this name, Coaching Skills for Leaders, is owned by someone else. So if you go to coachingskillsforleaders.com, that doesn't go to us. It goes to someone else has ownership over that domain. And uh, now I mentioned that because we're actually not planning on having a website set up specifically for this show. As those of you who've listened know, uh, I always direct you to our our firm's website, innovatelearning.com, which is where we have all the notes and where all the shows hosted. But that's not to say at some point in the future, we wouldn't want to have a website just for the show. And if we do, we want to have control over that domain. So we don't have control over this domain. And so that's one reason we're thinking of changing the name. The other reason we're thinking of changing the name is the name is very focused and specific for uh, what the show is about. Coaching skills for leaders implies that the show is always going to be about coaching skills and developing coaching skills. 
And for those of you who've listened regularly, you know that, yes, there are many times we're going to be talking about that, but there's also times we're going to talk about other things as well that are going to help you to be effective as a leader. And so for those two reasons, we're thinking of changing the name of the show to Lead with Coaching. And so what I'm curious about is, one, uh, do you like that name? And uh, or two, do you not like that name? Uh, and lead with coaching. The reason for that name specifically is uh, it you know it's talking about you know leading people with coaching versus leading people with rules and uh, and discipline and all the other ways that people try to lead people. So it's still certainly a focus on coaching. Um, but also the second meaning of that lead with coaching as far as starting with coaching rather than starting with all those other things. So I think that name is going to better reflect what the show's about. And of course, we have ownership over that website domain. So I'm curious from you, if you're ambivalent about the name change or, or the possible name change, no need to fee- you know give feedback at all. But if you uh, like that name and you'd be okay with that, I'd love to hear your comments on email. So again, send feedback to feedback at innovatelearning.com. If you think it's an awful idea and you hate the name, or if you have another name suggestion, by all means, I'd love to hear from you too. Feedback at innovatelearning.com. And so, uh, you know, a huge thank you for all of you who have sent in feedback. And I was going to spend a few minutes here uh, thanking a few folks who have sent in feedback, but I'm seeing that we're already at the half hour point and I want to make sure to wrap up in the right amount of time. And so I think that's going to do it for our show here today. And so if you would like the notes for what we've talked about today, then uh, please visit our website, innovatelearning.com. This is episode number 24, and you can find a link to the show notes up there. And if you or your organization is looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, let us know. We might be able to help you out too. You can reach us at 949-LEARN here in the States or again globally, 1-949-385-3276. Hey, it's great to be back, and I very much look forward to the next couple episodes here on engagement and hearing your feedback. In the meantime, have a great week going out and engaging people through your leadership. Take care, everybody.